Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we got a story of making the neighbors cough up over a hundred thousand dollars. But first, the story from new to this year, go home, we don't need you. A few years ago, I was down on my luck and decided to work for a nationwide pizza chain. I'd worked there at various locations and in every position, on and off since I was a teen. At this point I was 30, so I figured my 15 years of experience should count for something. After a few months of working, I asked how I could move up to manager. Seeing as how I was just as, if not more, knowledgeable than the current managers, I thought I would be a shoe-in. I was told by the regional manager that once I got a vehicle of my own, he would promote me. I found a place that would take a small down payment and lease me a car with an outrageous interest rate. I was desperate to get on my feet, and as long as the job was legit, I would struggle all I had to in order to eventually make it up the ladder. I became manager and immediately felt like a fool. Apparently, managers only get a $1 raise and are now expected to put up with way more crap than that $1 afforded. We had to clean the entire store on closing shift, sometimes be there until 4am, etc. I was bamboozled, but it was fine. I was on a mission to escape the street life I grew up in, as I refused to ever sell drugs again. Anyway, about a year into my manager position comes our busiest day of the year. That's right, Super Bowl Sunday. All managers were scheduled to come in at 9am in order to prep. I arrived promptly and begin the prep tasks. Being on time is something I pride myself in, but I know my coworkers are often late, so I assumed there were just a few minutes behind. Unfortunately, the next manager didn't come in until 10am and was clearly hungover to the point that he was no help at all. Each subsequent manager came in one hour after another, until all four of us were finally there. At this point, I was a little upset and exhausted, but whatever, I'm a team player. We just did our jobs and kept it moving. The entire day was busy with little to no break time. If you've ever worked pizza on a Super Bowl Sunday, you can imagine that crap show I'm describing. Phones ringing off the hook, ovens packed to the brim, carryout lobby full. My coworkers and I were a well-oiled machine. We knew how to work with each other very well. No mistakes, no late orders, busy as heck, but we got this. Then enters the regional manager, Jeff. Jeff and I knew each other since we were teens as we had both started with the companies around the same time. He hasn't worked in a busy store in years. His primary role is to check in at various stores and ensure they had what they needed, but of course he wanted to jump in and assist us, SMH. Jeff immediately begins dropping food on the floor, packing orders in wrong boxes, routing deliveries improperly, and just about anything else he could do wrong. It was annoying, but we couldn't say anything. Jeff would blame us rather than admit he was screwing up. At some point, I decided I could take a few puffs from my cigarette at the back of the store. After all, I'd now been here 12 hours with no break. 
A cigarette would take the same time as if I went to take a dump, so why not? I literally took two puffs and threw my cigarette out because I heard the phone ring and wanted to help. When I turned around, Jeff was staring at me like I had just screwed his wife or something. Before I could say anything, he said, Oh yeah? Get the freak out of here. We don't need you. Mind you, this was two hours before the end of my shift. I was the only person here on time. 12 hours with no break and made no mistakes at all. On top of that, I was scheduled to open the store the next morning. I simply replied, Sure, Jeff. No worries. I went home and planned my revenge. When I came in the next morning, I put my store key on the manager's desk with a handwritten note, I'm no longer needed here. I quit. I took a picture on my phone and sent it to my coworkers, who I knew would still be sleeping. No one knew until a few hours after the store was supposed to be open. They lost hundreds of dollars. I quickly found a better job with more pay and less responsibility. Today, I make triple what I made then. Apparently, he still brings me up years later, claiming that my mommy must be taking care of me. I think this is one of those situations where, even if you were being compensated well, you just kind of know you're too good for that job, or you kind of know that job is just expecting way too much of you trying to take advantage of you. Do you guys think the regional manager here was doing OP a favor, giving them an out in this situation? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from lol freak no more dog poop petty revenge i was going through the subreddit and saw some posts regarding dog poop and it reminded me of a series of events that happened when i was eight or nine i used to live in downtown toronto and had this neighbor who lived a few houses down we'll call mark he was a bachelor with two border collies they were lovely sweet well-trained dogs he was a friend of my parents and there was one summer where he would babysit me for an hour once a week because of my brother's hockey stuff. Side note, hockey never stops in Canada. It was fun. We'd usually just go for a walk or to the local park, and I'd play with his dogs. He always made sure to pick up after his dogs. Always. He would say all the time that people who don't pick up after their dogs are irresponsible dog owners. It's important to note that there were several houses in our neighborhood that had dogs. There was this old couple that lived across the street and a couple houses down from him. It's important to note that their house had a fire hydrant in front of it. The wife was sweet and the husband was polite enough, but he was a no-nonsense World War II vet who took no crap. Someone was letting their dog poop on the couple's lawn and they were understandably upset. The husband immediately blamed Mark because he was the closest dog owner and caused such a huge scene that half the block literally ran outside to see what was wrong. Anyway, Mark says it's not him, and I'm asked to get involved because I was with him and his dogs maybe 45 minutes ago. I tell everyone that Mark didn't let his dogs go to the bathroom on their lawn and that he always picked up after his dogs. The husband proceeds to pick arguments with Mark over this every day for a couple of weeks until Mark offers to get a security camera installed on their house to monitor the hydrant. Husband agrees. The camera is installed. All the neighbors, the wife, and Mark consider the matter settled. The husband did not, and unbeknownst to everyone else, is and or has been scheming. A month later, my brothers and I are playing outside when I see the husband waddle over to Mark's house with a bucket. We had a completely unobstructed view of Mark's front porch, so we watch the husband take the lid off the bucket, lean the bucket against the door, ring the doorbell, and step back with a big smile on his face. 
The door opens, the bucket tips over, and the contents spill into Mark's house. We can hear Mark start yelling, and I started to walk over. I could smell it before I even got to Mark's house, this revolting, putrid, nauseating smell. My brothers and I were brought inside and told what happened in the morning. See, the husband didn't believe that Mark wasn't doing it, so we started collecting the poop in a bucket outside and mixing it with water now and then for a while before spilling the slushy, crappy mixture into Mark's house. The cops were called but left 30 seconds later, declaring it a civil matter. The cops were always so darn useless, I swear to God. It took a while, but my dad, Mark, and a couple of other neighbors convinced the husband to let them all view the footage. The footage revealed that it wasn't Mark, it was a teenage boy from down the street. The couple is properly embarrassed and Mark is very upset. I wasn't told the scope of the damage, but because of how liquidy it was, and the dog stepped in it, he had to hire cleaners and contractors for minor construction. Anyway, that night, my dad and another neighbor go with Mark and the couple to talk to the teenage boy and his family about both not letting the dog crap on the couple's lawn and about covering some of the cleaning and construction costs because the couple are pensioners and this was started by their son's lack of dog walking etiquette. They refuse and my dad comes home upset. The next day, Mark is babysitting me but we don't walk our usual route this time. This time we walk in the opposite direction and to the teenage boy's house. Mark tells his dogs to pee in their flower garden and both dogs are mid-crap in the middle of their lawn when the teen's dad comes out and asks what we're doing. Mark says, what needs to be done? And we leave, go to the park, but have lost some time. Mark does the same thing on his own for three days before the parents agree to cover half the costs. Mark and the husband ended up having a pretty good friendship because they were both known henceforth as the guys who wouldn't take any crap. Does anyone else agree with me when I say the outcome is satisfying enough, but also really kind of annoying that the guy who went and dumped poop slushy inside this guy's house got away with it scot-free? I mean, I guess it worked out in the end, but this dude got away with doing something pretty dang foul. Just blamed it all on the teenage kid after the fact, and then afterwards we're like, so we buddies? By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from S. Barnes VTA. Neighbor tells another neighbor to call the city, so they did. Happened a couple of months ago in our neighborhood. This is a pretty rundown house with some inconsiderate neighbors. They have a large travel trailer that's too big for the driveway and sticks out one foot into the sidewalk when it's parked. It's not an issue as there's plenty of room to walk around, but the kicker is they always park one of their cars halfway in the driveway, so it completely blocks the sidewalk. They live in a corner house, so it's dangerous for a family to walk in the street around a blind corner because the sidewalk is inaccessible. Multiple neighbors, including myself, have asked them multiple times to pull their car into the driveway or park it on the street to leave the sidewalk accessible. They always say they will, but nothing changes. Well, apparently, they got into a shouting match with one of the other neighbors over it, with the offending neighbor telling the other neighbor, if they don't like it, call the city. Well, the other neighbor did just that. The city came out and wrote a ticket for the SUV blocking the sidewalk, and also wrote them up for the trailer that was too big to fit in the driveway, forcing them to store it in a rental space for $350 a month. I'm not gonna lie, the neighbors with this trailer are straight up morons. 
They should have been more than well aware that they were in violation of some kind of local code. Like it's almost guaranteed wherever you live, you can't have a trailer that's so big you're blocking the sidewalk in your driveway. And yet they beg them to call the code compliance people. It's about as smart as walking down Times Square with your pants down and then just having somebody yell at you to pull them up and you say, nah, just call the cops. Like, what do you expect? Our next story is from Killjoy2408. I cost me neighbors over $100,000. My neighbors have nine cars total parked in the street. They always park two of those cars in the front of my house and won't move them the whole week. We have a regulation where you live that you can't leave your car parked for more than 48 hours in the same spot. My neighbors have a pretty big driveway where they can fit four cars, but it's always empty. They told me they don't like to leave their driveway with cars because it looks tacky. Over half the cars they have, they don't even use them. They just use them to save parking spots for themselves. In 2021, I noticed they were building a second unit in the back of their main house. I noticed that they completed the house in under a month. This raised some red flags because it takes anywhere from two to three months with city inspections taking the majority of time. I submitted a ticket with my city through the app and advised them that there might be some illegal residential building without permits. I didn't think much of it until a year later. I noticed my neighbors tearing down their second unit last week. Word got around our block that a city inspector was there making sure everything was being torn down. Based on what materials and labor they put into their second unit, I cost them over $100,000. So the main thing I've learned here is if you're going to make yourself an unlikable neighbor, don't go start doing things that are in defiance of any local code or regulation, lest you put a big red target right on your back. Also, who in their right mind has nine cars without some, like, jumbo rich guy garage? Our next story is from Papa Virgil. Piss me off? Say goodbye to your alcohol. So this happened a few days ago and I just realized it would be perfect for this sub. Now let me set up the story for y'all. I have a brother who I hate. Not getting into that to keep this from not getting serious, but the point is I hate him. On this faithful day, he got me pretty pissed off because we both have electric toothbrushes. And he decided to take the fresh battery out of mine and put it in his to use. This pissed me off so I went into screw him mode. After swapping them back, I waited for him to go to work. Something you need to keep in mind, I'm 18 and he's 22, legal drinking age, and a few weeks ago he got this bottle of alcohol. I don't know what kind it was, but let's just call it whiskey for the rest of the story. So we left for work with my mom and I decided to go outside and grab a shovel. I then made my way over to this spot that our dogs love to mess around at. I have no idea, but they just love to roll around, dig very small holes, or just run around in circles there, which worked for me. With my shovel, I began digging fairly deep. I dug a hole that was at least a foot or two deep, deep enough for my plan. After that, I went into the house and into the freezer where the whiskey was. I grabbed it and went outside to my hole. I then tossed it in there and put all of the dirt back in. After that was done, I took the dogs out and, you guessed it, they played in that spot making it look like I hadn't dug a hole. With it looking naturally, I went inside with the dogs and enjoyed my day. Then came when my brother got home. I'm excited, but I was just in my room with my dog, chilling. My mom eventually came into my room and asked me if I knew where it was. I lied straight through my teeth with a confused face that I didn't know. She left, and I'm grinning ear to ear knowing that they're looking for it, only to not find it. And the best part is... Who's going to think that I decided to dig a hole and put the whiskey in the hole? 
It's been a week or two since this happened, and they will never know. It does sound like a satisfying level of revenge, but I feel like the annoying thing for OP is this is one of those forms of revenge where even if they never find that bottle again, they might still in the end just blame you and assume you threw it away or hid it somewhere or basically somebody had to take it, OP was just about the only one there who could have, they might just personally chalk it up to OP chucked this somewhere good that we just can't find. Our next story is from the real Donald Stump. Act like a donkey? Enjoy some lag with your game. My boyfriend and I got into a pretty big fight tonight, so I left for the night to stay at my mom's cause screw that. He acted like an absolute donkey and it made it so unbearable that I had to leave and in turn, I'm not home, in bed, and smoking up like I freaking should be, thus wildly unhappy. Also, we're both pretty big Phillies fans, but him much more so as he used to play baseball in high school. And right now, they're playing their wildcard series game 2 out of 3, having already won the first. I know that right now he's home streaming the game, rather than watching it on cable. The internet is in my name and I can manage it via the app, like most modern day utilities, except... Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's crappy Philadelphia gas works. So I've decided now is the best time to run sporadic 12-minute tests that restart our gateway and give absolutely no indication or warning of this test on any device that's connected to the Wi-Fi. I feel no remorse. I don't blame OP, but I feel bad for them that their relationship's even gotten to this point where that's what they're doing. When you've been in a relationship before and in that relationship you've had arguing, you can hear a story like this and you just know how exhausting this experience is. Considering it's gotten to the point where OPs are their mothers and they're just trying to find any way to piss off their partner, I just feel for the both of them. Our next story is from King Tut 0 Brother gets his way by threatening the head teacher. A few years ago, when my brother was still in school, the school had a pride flag flying in front of the building. Until one student complained. Now, that was bad enough, but then they replaced it with an England flag and not a good one. One of those crappy ones from the shaving kits you get around the World Cup. The head teacher was religious and put up with the flag until he got the complaint. But after receiving many complaints about it being taken down, he refused to put it back. The student who complained even changed his mind and said he wanted it back up and the head still refused. 
This went on for a while, until there was a showcase for all the art students' work that year. So my brother, who was out there supporting one of his friends, approached the head and said, Wouldn't it be a shame if the local paper found out that you were refusing to put the pride flag back after over 20 students complained? It took him a couple of seconds to understand what my brother was getting at, but when he did, he stammered and quickly walked off. The next day, the flag was back. This is definitely one of those situations where you just have to take a step back and understand the optics. If you're going to give in to one person's complaint about taking something down that they don't personally like, then yeah, I sure hope you took a constructive look at how it looks from the other side where, essentially by giving in to that request, you're censoring something that might make you look like you're picking a very particular side. Our next story is from Amy No Acid. Trying to promote your business but spamming my group? I moderated a group on a certain neighborhood app and had a guy post his business advertisement in my group. I checked on his profile, saw that he was blanket spamming on almost every group he could, and notified him that I removed his post in the group and did not spam in it again. He sends me a DM telling me to stop being a hater and posts his ad in my group again. I see it, remove it, and reply back that he's banned from the group. He replies back calling me a loser. Here comes the petty revenge part. I googled his business, found the store on Google Maps, and left him a one-star review explaining that he was spamming and calling people names. I haven't heard back from him yet, but I'm sure I will. Honestly, this seems like the most basic and straightforward way to get back at people who are honestly being jerks through their business. Although nowadays, I'm starting to wonder the effectiveness of a bad review. Because now more than ever, as I go on and on and I'm doing things, and I'm looking for a business to get something done, I start to realize a lot of the time people only leave a review if they have something bad to say. Like if a store or a business has only two or three star reviews, it makes me wonder are these just the bad experiences that slip through the cracks of an otherwise okay business? Our next story is from No Telesum, the effective management of door-to-door salesmen. A bit of backstory on this. My husband, gods love him, is a biker and retired Navy NCO. Big barrel-chested, bald, bearded dude covered in tattoos. If you've ever seen a very loud Harley or similar bagger riding down the highway, veteran service vest covered in mission patches and rider formation on a poker or honor guard ride, you know precisely the type. Fierce teddy bear of highway Armageddon. That's my guy. Darling husband has a very specific sense of humor. He's essentially a 15-year-old trapped in the body of a middle-aged man. I haven't spent a day without laughing at his antics in nearly the 19 years we've been together. Now, for whatever reason, everywhere we've lived, we've been inundated with missionaries and door-to-door salespeople. We've never put out a no trespassing sign, mostly for three reasons. One, we shouldn't have to. Trespassing should be something well-brought-up people do not do. Two, kids selling chocolate are always welcome. And three, you trespass you deserve what you get, which might be an eyeful of naked biker. Oh, and did I mention that sense of humor? I should also mention here, darling husband is a nudist. I'm not sure how 20 years in the US Navy plus biker equals nudist, but there you go. This is my life. It's weird, but fun. And accordingly, requires a rather expensive investment of window treatments every time we move. I'm currently in window treatment acquisition for the home we moved into last spring. You have been warned. At one point, the local church was on some insane door-knocking mission from heck. We were getting folks knocking on the door every few days. 
I kept begging them to put us on the do not go list or whatever. Seems they don't have one. Cue the nudist biker. He's home one weekend day wandering about the house in all this glory and sees missionary setting down the long driveway. Hey honey, watch this, he yells. Oh crap, this I gotta see. He grabs a giant carving knife from the kitchen, nabs this insane giant sparkly Halloween store pentagram we had on a Halloween skeleton in the dining room, flings open the front door, and bellows at the top of his, I can be heard on top of aircraft carriers during flight ops, NCO voice, you are late, where's the goat? Let's take a moment to reflect. Generally speaking, the folks who go door-to-door for Jesus are lovely, soft-spoken people who have been suckered into bothering people in the privacy of their homes for the promise of the afterlife. They lead nice, quiet little lives. In no reality are they at all prepared to be shouted down by a tattooed Viking dude in all of his naked glory, rising above them on a front porch, holding aloft a knife and wearing a pentagram large enough to pick up radio signals from Guam while screaming about goat sacrifice. In all honesty, doubtful anyone's truly prepared for that. And yet, dear readers, here we are. I'm watching from the kitchen window, incredulous as these people turn paler than the whitest Halloween ghost. The lady among them slaps a hand over the other woman's eyes, their mouths drop open, metaphoric hands start grabbing at metaphoric pearls, someone drops a bible. Before I can blink, they've sorted out what wits have not evacuated said situation, turned and scrambled back down the driveway. In the mad dash they've left their bible, which we later add to one of the outdoor Halloween displays. If they come back for it, they've earned it. If not, well, the Gideons will happily send them a freebie. Darling husband is roaring with laughter, crying his victory to the skies. So far, he's been able to get rid of vacuum salespeople, Mormons, evangelicals, Jehovah's Witnesses, door-to-door cleaning supply salespeople, that nice older couple down the street who keep inviting us to their church, the big pentagram we keep by the door now for door-to-door salesman emergencies though admittedly it's been pretty quiet around here. Word has gotten out about the screaming nudist biker, I suppose. Sadly, still no goat. You know what? You keep playing this game and eventually you're gonna find somebody that comes back with that goat. Someday somebody's gonna make you commit to that bit harder than you were ever truly expecting to go. In all seriousness though, could you imagine? What if somebody did actually show back up with a goat? actually lead the goat right up to the door, a lead around its neck, I would want to know what would happen next. And our final story of the day is from Reddit admin Dumb87, I'll come back so long as Larry isn't there. Background, to give you some background on my friend Tim, made up name, he's been programming since he was like 7 years old. Tim said by the time he got to college, he breezed through most of his comp sci classes because a lot of the content they were covering he had already mastered years prior. Tim is an excellent programmer. Tim's career has been quite successful. He's worked for Google, Facebook, Amazon, and finally a hedge fund. The story starts at the hedge fund. Tim works a lot with AI technology, and at this hedge fund, he was the lead programmer manager who spearheaded an effort to optimize their AI that helped them complete literally millions of trades a day. To say his work had a massive impact was an understatement. All of this going on with COVID-19 in the background. Due to COVID-19, they went to work from a home model, where my friend Tim kept working. During the work from home, Tim was looking around his fancy $4,500 New York City apartment and wished for things like a yard, a heated pool, a nice three-car garage, and not living in a high-rise. 
It dawned on Tim that he could leave New York City. Tim moves to Michigan. So Tim moved back to his hometown in Michigan, where he bought himself a really nice home with a heated pool, a three-car garage, a nice yard, and guess what the yard had in it? A mother-in-law suite, which was essentially a two-bedroom, one-bath second home, on the property of his main home, which he turned into his man cave. It was actually pretty sick. Oh yeah, and his mortgage payment was far less than his $4.5,000 a month rent. Like, half. Tim spent the rest of his COVID-19 work from home, pounding out projects, etc. He never actually informed his employer on an official basis he moved. He just kept working. Then COVID-19 ended. COVID-19 is finally over. Back to the office. Or... Tim's boss, Larry, calls him up and goes, Alright, Tim, on Monday, we're starting work back at the office. And Tim goes, Yeah, about that, I moved to Michigan. Larry is shocked and goes, You didn't even ask if you could do that. And Tim basically said, I didn't know I needed your permission to move, in a sarcastic freak way. Larry insists Tim needs to move back to New York City, or he won't have a place on the team. Tim says he's been doing the exact same work from home at a high level for the past year. He's willing to travel to New York City for a few meetings a year on his own dime, but he feels his quality of life is so much higher outside of New York City, he has no desire to live in New York City. To which Larry said if Tim doesn't have any desire to live in New York City, then he has no desire to keep Tim employed. Now, dear Reddit, what do you think a talented senior programmer with over a decade of experience who specializes in AI technology is going to say to a response like that? If you're thinking he quit, you'd be absolutely right. He quit. Maintaining complex code can be hard. Now, anyone that's done programming knows that sometimes the best person to maintain the code is the person who wrote the code. There's logic. There's thought processes. There's so much that goes into programming that it can be so individualistic, it can be hard for someone to take over a code base they didn't write. John, the CEO, enters the picture. Six weeks go by when John calls Tim. John is the CEO of the hedge fund. John gets Tim to agree to consider coming back, so that's when John suggests they fly Tim to New York City and he sits down with John. Tim, however, flipped the switch and said, No, how about you fly out to Michigan and we discuss this? Tim said he had said that because he wanted to establish that if he was going to come back, it was going to be him working from Michigan. And if he was going to talk about his employment, it was going to be done in Michigan. John agreed and two days later, flew out to meet with Tim. Tim sits down and John says they really need him because he provided a lot of value to the organization. And the programming team is struggling. John offers Tim the opportunity to come back with a 20% pay cut since he won't be living in New York City and John called that a cost of living adjustment, to which John said, no, I want a 15 raise above what I was earning. John sits back and responds, the reason we pay you what we pay is because we ask you to live in New York City, and we understand that that's an expensive city to live in, to which Tim says, you pay what you pay, and you pay it because I'm worth it. If I wasn't worth what you pay, you wouldn't be paying me. Now my first condition is if you want me back, it'll be a 15% raise. John goes, and second? The second condition is I'll come back so long as Larry isn't there. John sighs and says, you're asking for too much. To which Tim goes, you don't need to bring me back if you don't want to. I'll be fine elsewhere. John goes, I'll talk to the partners. Tim says, my offer's good till Friday. 
John goes, what do you mean? Tim says, next Monday's when I'm going to start looking for work. This offer is good until Friday. It was Tuesday, and John leaves. That Thursday, the phone rings. It's John. In conclusion, Tim, we're transferring Larry to a different fund. He won't be working with you anymore, and we're fine with giving you a 15% raise. Can we send you an offer letter for you to sign? Tim said, of course. And Larry is really gone? John goes, yes, you'll never need to interact with Larry ever again. That was at the start of this year. Tim hasn't been in New York City, hasn't heard from Larry, hasn't seen Larry on any communications, etc. I love this story. Know your worth, know your added value. And if you're working in a field where you know that you're such a valuable asset that you're going to not struggle too hard to find another job elsewhere, even if it doesn't necessarily pay as well as the last job did, don't put up with that old BS that they were trying to force on John. John knew their worth and it paid off so hard. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 